I can't even believe we talked to him. That person cheats on his wife. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, so he's actually DMing you and nobody knows about this. <laughs> he f**ks everyone in Hollywood. And honestly, is the worst person in the world. <laughs> I'm a married woman. I'm just trying to get between you. I want to talk about comedy and then I have my final question, but what has been the most challenging thing for you uh, as a comedian? Because one, the, in, the entertainment industry is really hard. I would say comedy is even harder. Like people try that one time and they're like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Or never try it all. Or never try it all. But, but what has been the most challenging thing and, and what are you learning as you know, as you're going along and growing and all that? I think if I'm very honest with you, the most challenging thing has been myself and my ego and my uh, fear of failure. Because I think that there are a lot of situations that I could have spoken up for myself or jobs I could have put myself up for or people I could have approached or um, opportunities I let pass me by or there are a lot of steps that I did not take out of fear of not being good enough or not being funny enough or having or thinking that people don't like me or that I'm you know never gonna be good enough or people don't take me seriously or whatever it is right of course I think a lot of people be like oh being a woman comedy like that's so blah 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 I mean, the truth is, if you if you go down Sunset Boulevard, you'll see like a lot of shows really do only have one woman on them, which makes people, which makes women feel competitive with each other. And I just don't even want to touch that because I could talk about that, but I think the thing that's even more important is me not believing in myself enough. And that has changed a lot throughout the years, you know, eliminating this imposter syndrome. And it's like, how many audiences do I need to go up in front of and have great shows and get such positive feedback and this and that for me to not believe that I'm killing it or that I'm doing great. And to not feel ashamed to say, I, I, had gr I crushed. Yeah. You know, it's almost like I was taught humility. And if you're not humble, then you're egotistical and you're bragging. I think that's worse when you're a girl that they tell you that you have to be humble you cannot advocate for yourself the way guys do. I mean, guys are relentless. Oh, I'm mur oh, I'm murdered. Oh my god, I fucking slip, bro. You got two laughs. Uh, should we start talking like that? <laughs> I re I remember one of the first people in LA I dated was a comic. Lord help me, I don't would never do that again. And I had just started comedy. He'd been doing it seven years. We did a show together, and he absolutely ate shit. He bombed so hard on the show. And I had a great set for a beginner, like I crushed, right? And when we left, he goes, I bet you feel really good about the fact that I bombed and you did well. Oh. And I was like, why would you think I want you to fail? Why are we in competition? So that's what I'm saying. It's not just women in competition yeah. with each other. Everyone is in competition. There are far fewer comedy clubs than there are TV shows and movies. Stand-up is specifically difficult because you are on a, you're on the stage by yourself with no one to help you if you get stuck or you start bombing or you're in a tight spot or there's a heckler or you have to handle everything yourself and it's in real time. There's no back to one, we'll take that over. You know, there's no do-overs. 
there's only present moment right here, right now. So even with musical theater, there's usually a cast of people, right? Like other people help you. It's a full production. There's lights, there's costume, there's music, there's an orchestra, there's whatever it is. Plays, same thing. There's usually lots of other people involved. When it's just you and there's no room for error in that res respect where you could be like, oh, let's just do it again, right? You have to be fully present and fully on. And that is very scary to people because even these like big YouTubers, I remember like five years ago, I was in the largest YouTuber in the world's sketch video. She didn't know any of the lines. It was three pages of dialogue. I had everything memorized, ready to go because I'm thinking here, we got to just, we're going to shoot the scene. I'm ready to go. I have the lines memorized. Even if we do it over or whatever it is, I'll know where to pick it up. I'm professional. She didn't know a single line. She goes, oh, we're actually not going to do it like at the same time. We'll just have the camera shoot me. I'll say, it they'll tell me the line. I'll shoot it like five different ways and then we'll do your lines. So we're not like reacting to each other in real time or whatever. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then I was like, I, okay, I have the scene memorized though if you wanted to do it. And then the guys were like, oh, well, do you know the scene? Talking to her and she's like, I mean, I, I, I could memorize it. Like, I, I mean, I could, you know, and I think, I think the idea of having to be fully ready, rehearsed, be present, be in the moment and without any safety net at all makes it a much scarier situation and higher stakes in front of an entire room, making a mistake in front of an entire room of people and failing in public is very different than failing in private. We're on a set, you're doing your lines, there's no, doesn't matter if you fail if you're flub line. No one cares, no one will remember. The edit won't pick that up. I remember right before I moved to LA, <laughs> I started stand up in LA even though I'm from New York, which is insane. And I saw Harlan Williams do stand up and I go, oh my God, that guy is a fucking genius. I could never do what he does. I'm not gonna say I'm even close to as funny as Harlan. I'm just saying. I just thought, that man is a genius. I could never do that. It is so scary. The idea of doing what he's doing is terrifying to me. I moved to LA and I thought I was gonna be like a young ingenue <laughs> I met with this casting director. And we chatted for an hour, we we're laughing, and I was thinking it's such a good time. And at the end she goes, Leah, I just wanna let you know you're more funny, less pretty. And I, I was, remember that. I was like, oh my God, you think I'm funny? And she was like, yeah, you should be in stand-up. You know, I feel like you'd be so good at that because there are fewer attractive women in comedy. And I was like, huh, okay. So I was doing stand-up, and it really was a natural fit for my personality. It's like, happens at night, great. Was, you're like, I'm like a cat. I like, come and go as I please. Like, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> I will scratch you if you do. Like, it's just, it's whatever. It was right for me. Um, and even at my first open mic, I was so afraid the only people at the open mic were the open mic host, my best friend who drove me, and the barista. And I was like, can I please go before people get here? Can I, can I just get on the stage right now and just do this for five minutes? And then, um, like, do you mind? And he was like, okay. Like, what's, I don't know what the point of is of not doing comedy to other people. And I was like, it's just my first open mic. I'm really nervous. I shat my brains out. <laughs> Did so, you bomb? There's only three people in the room. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course I bombed. I, I was sweating profusely. And then after I was like, was I good? 
was it funny? Should I keep doing this? It's like, oh my God, bitch, you just did it once in front of no one. Like you need to keep eating shit for years and years until you actually get funny. But I think it's interesting because I thought I could never do it. And when I started doing it, I was like, this is the most terrifying thing. It is so scary to do it. You are the most vulnerable you could possibly be. Anyway, um, so seven years later, cut to doing like theaters with Dane Cook, who fucking love that guy. Oh my God, he is just a saint. He really is. He is just a delight to work with and he is an incredible person and he's so giving and open and generous and funny as fuck, obviously. Um, but he's really given me some great opportunities and is taking me on the road and I started playing theaters with him, you know, and you're just like, you go from being at an open mic, shaking like a leaf, sweating like you're a drug addict, like waiting for your next hit, not being able to function and even get words out in front of three people to performing in front of a crowd of 4,000 people in Vegas. And you're just like, oh yeah, this is really fun. Nuts. And I heard you crushed that night. Georgia went with you. Georgia came, yeah. Georgia came. There were a lot of people from Clubhouse there. I know, and I heard everyone kept coming up to you. Like, that's a huge jump from where you were to that. Oh, oh, Nicole, I was so poor. <laughs> oh, I was so poor. Um, yeah, I was really broke. I was like so broke. I was on food stamps for a while before Clubhouse. Um, I had like five side jobs. Like, I catered. I you know, cocktail waitress, I bartended, I walked dogs, I taught Pilates classes. I like, I did every side job at the same time. And LA is just super expensive. You know, I would be like breaking even every month or in the red every month. And I would just be hustling my ass off to make ends meet and still go to pay to do open mics and try to get funnier and try to get better. You had to pay to do open mics? Yeah, you have to pay every time you perform. What, what what do you mean? You pay to play until you're paid to play. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Well, look, you don't need a fucking college degree to be a stand-up comedian. So if you want to think about it that way, you're like, that covers, right? If I was like going to college, it cost $100,000 or whatever it costs, you know, these days. I pay $5 to test out my material. I pay $10 to test out my material. I pay $3 to test out my material. I pay a drink cover to test out my material. So it's like you're constantly like paying to learn. Damn. It's a lot. And that's why like people don't stick around if they don't love it. Cause it is hard. It is hard. And the bathrooms are unforgivable at these locations. I mean, I'm just like, if you had to go to the bathroom, you'd rather go outside. outside. I'd rather be like someone's dog on a leash. Jesus Christ. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. I have a question. <laughs> in... in to take this in another direction, because when you're when you're a public figure, people, you know, they don't care on the internet. Like they will <laughs> say whatever they want to you. They'll yeah. shit on you. They'll make anonymous accounts. 
Um, and, you know, it's really hard to not pay attention to that. Yeah. So you become like keenly aware of all the criticisms and then noticing what gets said over and over again. Mm -hmm. So my question is, in what way do you feel that you're misunderstood? <laughs> I think uh, the shorter answer would be in what ways do I think I'm understood? <laughs> uh, in what ways do you feel do you feel understood? Um, yeah, I, man, Nicole, I think people want to put everyone in a box, so it's easier for them to understand what you do, and so if you are a little more all over the place with your beliefs or your material, they don't know what to do with you, right? Like. If you're the kind of person who's like, okay, I'm just going to do Jew jokes and sex jokes. People are like, great, we know what to do with you. Like, this is the kind of material you do. And then if you do something outside of that, people are like, what is this? This isn't your normal stuff. Like, when I went to Dubai and I did the Dubai Comedy Festival, first of all, there's a lot of things you're not allowed to talk about there. Otherwise, you go to jail, um, which is terrifying. <laughs> um I really thought people were, like, setting traps for me. I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to go to jail in Dubai? <laughs> is that scary there? I don't know. I've never been there. Uh, okay. Um, I'm not going to say anything bad about Dubai. I had a lovely time at the festival. Everyone was great. So when I was there, the first night I was there, I did a completely clean set because I was literally afraid of going to jail. I didn't know I had fans in Dubai. And they came up to me after the show and they're like, what was that? I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, that's not what we came here to see. We like your dirty material. What was that? Like, we came here to laugh and watch you do your thing. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. They kind of had a point, though. Well, they're, that's, what they, that's what they like about me. That's why they follow me. Yeah, and that's authentically who you are. And so then the, the rest of the time I was there, I just did my normal material. And people were like, yeah, thank, you know, like, woo. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think that now that I'm married... I posted a lot of like I'm married jokes and I'm getting a lot of hate for that. <sighs> Why do the men on the internet think I'm going to have sex with them? Why do they? I, we've never even met. You don't even live here. Well, I wonder what circumstance are we going to meet and have sex? I don't know. It just, I don't understand the logic, but okay. I've lost, I've lost, I would say in total now, like, 8,000 followers from having a husband. Oh my God. <laughs> Every time I post about him, when I posted about him when we were in Ibiza when we first met, I just did a story with him because I was just like giddy in love. I lost 2,000 followers from that story. I remember you told me that. Which is crazy. Then now every time I post a video with him or any sort of photo, I lost a th almost 1,000. I lost 900 followers from the post yesterday. My husband's birthday was yesterday, so I posted a post about him. A lot of the comments were like, how could you do this to us? Well, if, at least you're, if you're happy, that's all that matters. And then some of them would be like, oh, man, if he had a six-pack, he would be a good guy for you to date. Or like, I hope he has money. Just like weird shit. And I'm like, also, he does have a six-pack. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so there's like some of that, which I yeah. think is interesting. And so I, I, I expect to lose a lot of male followers, which is fine. Good riddance. 
you know, I remember posting a story right after I lost 2000 followers, which seemed like a big deal to me, but it's like, I'm losing the people who are not there for the right reasons. Yeah. LOL. So I, I will eventually gain new followers for the right reasons, right? Like people who want to see me win and be happy in this, in, in whatever form my life takes. But I remember posting a story being like, Hey, people who are unfollowing me. And I understand you're upset that I have found someone I'm, I like. In my life, I will hope to be with someone for a very long time. And I hope that there will be one person and that it is just them. I, I hope that for me. If that doesn't happen, great. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not always going to be a single woman who's eligible for you to have sex with. Because <laughs> that, that's really what they want. So, or, or date or whatever it is. So if you want to unfollow me, please do it. Like, if those are the reasons that you're sticking around, just unfollow me. But if you want to watch me grow and eventually be with someone forever, stick around. And what was the reaction to that? A lot more unfollows. Damn. I took screenshots of every DM, actually, because I was dying of laughter. I, was, I actually need to make a reel to show I how many messages I got about it. People being like, damn, unfollowing. Just like... Like just stupid shit. Yeah. That's just and as if, as if anybody cares that you're unfollowing. I mean, I screenshotted all of them. I care, Nicole. No, but that's different. <laughs> that's content. That's yeah. Different. Yeah. But it, yeah. It's just wild. That's insane. I feel very blessed for what I have allowed into my life so far, and I've changed a lot since we met, professionally, personally, romantically, um, and I think we both have. Like, we are completely different from when we first met. Oh, 100%. Unrecognizable, some might say. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I was struggling in every way possible. In every way possible a person could struggle, I was struggling. And, you know, I did not have outside help from family or whatever it was, you know, so I always felt very alone and on my own. And as a result, very independent female. Um, but the truth of the matter is it is a crutch and you want people in your life and you want people who want to support you and watch you win and love you in your life. And I feel very grateful that I've gone from this very alone, very like living in survival mode, um, just r really filled with crippling anxiety person to someone who has allowed love in their life and has allowed themselves to grow professionally and be seen and heard and allowed themselves to be authentic and still have crippling anxiety. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's nice to be here because it makes me look forward to what's in the future. I'm like, okay, if I can be here now, what does that mean? Does that mean in five years from now, I will, I, I, I am sure I will be a completely different person then too. And, headlining your own theater and and someone that i'm proud of being and that yeah and nicole i just want to bring up one more thing i'm scared <laughs> so we've had we've had many arguments yeah conversations about conflict and we've gone in and out of talking to each other and blah blah, blah. but i've never not liked you i've just felt jealous and so that was what created the tension on my side. And I think jealousy and resentment 
create stories that may or may not be necessarily true to support your own narrative, to make yourself feel better about your beliefs. And we didn't, this is recent, where we didn't talk for a while. And then we were at Art Basel and we literally squatted on a street corner and had it out for like three hours while my angel husband just stood there being like, do, 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 do. I love him. <laughs> I love him. He's the most patient man in the world. He deserves every medal of honor. But, um, you know, it's interesting because we've had different fights. We've had like different conflicts throughout the years. And I think at this point, um, I felt like we were able to just have a really adult conversation where we had it out in a way that was productive. Not that the other times weren't productive. No, but this time it was like, but see, that's the thing. It's like, one, I had never had anyone tell me to my face I was jealous. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because we all feel those emotions. Yeah. And then we all feel shame about feeling those emotions mm -hmm. and then we act out about it. So when you said that, it forced me to think like, oh man, like what have I done? You know, what do I feel? And like, it, it's funny cause your jealousy towards me and you said this, it wasn't odd about me. Yeah. It was a story in your head that would have been projected towards anyone, anyone. that you were working with. And my, on my end, um, I think my feelings towards you were not just a reaction to the dynamic mm -hmm. or to what you're, you were feeling, but that on Clubhouse, we were put in a position where for some, for whatever reason, I think the staff had taken a liking to you mm -hmm. and all of a sudden my my role as like an interviewer or whatever was just like, oh, well, everyone's an interviewer. This is our star comedian, you know? And which you were all those things. And so you know, I, I didn't get the deal from Clubhouse. And I, for me, I didn't feel jealousy towards you because I actually felt like you deserve those things. Yeah. And I also felt so proud in a weird way that I was like, yeah, I found her. <laughs> like you know what I mean like I was just like fuck this is cool but like I I did I did feel like my efforts were not recognized and that that it hurt me that I couldn't be compensated for them and so I just like used that as fuel I left clubhouse and I was just like I've done this before I'll do it again and I just built out my twitter and I made connections there and started doing spaces there which we should actually talk about doing that on Twitter, but you, you crushed on Twitter to be clear. But, um, I think the other thing that's really important to note is that it doesn't serve me to be dishonest. Like, I think if you have a lot of ego, which I do, we all do, but if you have a lot of ego about, you can't bring it to that conversation. That was the thing. And we didn't. Like, I remember when you had said all that stuff and you were just so honest about the way you felt. I was, like, talking about, like, I was thinking about other things that I did that I was just, like, not proud of. And I was, like, yeah, and I also said this about you to this person. 
And I just felt so relieved saying that because I also, I think, I have to be honest, I also for a long time felt really embarrassed about even thinking of doing content with you because of how much I had said to other people. Because I'm like, I'm gonna look like such a fake person if I bring her on my podcast or have anything to do with her or even have her in my Instagram stories because of what I had said. And and I, it just, it could have easily been talked about. These things can easily be resolved. I've seen in every female dynamic friendship that these issues arise and nobody knows how to deal with them because nobody has the tools to deal with them. Yeah. We were just lucky that we had, you know, we had those conver you had tools from, you know, the program that you're in and I had tools just from, I don't know, mentors or people that helped me communicate because otherwise I would have been really emotional and unable to handle it too. But I just think it's important for for women to realize that all the things that they feel, the jealousy, the competition, the scarcity mentality, um, worrying that another girl is gonna be prettier or chosen or more successful or any of these things are, are things that are drilled into their heads yeah. by society and people that want power over them and nobody talks about that. And once you get over that, and you choose to adopt a different mentality of actually wanting your friends to win and being there for them and letting them have their moment and letting them shine and knowing you'll have that too and they'll be there for you then. And also that bad things happen to everyone. These relationships are important. This friendship is important. Your marriage is important. We would crumble without these things. That's, that's what I think LA is missing where everyone's just going into a room trying to find the most important person, but the the most important people are the people that are gonna be there for you when shit goes south. You know, the most important people are gonna be people that are like laughing and cheering with you and and you know wanting you to win. And I think you know that's what that's what this taught me, and just watching you with Adam taught me. And like I'm I'm just so happy that you have that and you're carrying that, you know, into everything else that you're gonna do. I think the thing that was most important about our dynamic too is that we both had a willingness to listen and had the desire to grow. And so I think if you have two people who feel the same way, basically when you open up to someone and you're honest with them, you're like, you're like putting the gun down. And then someone's like, okay, I guess I'll put my gun down too. And yeah. then you're able to just be like, what's really going on here? I don't want to kill you. I don't want to kill you either. I actually quite like you. Yeah, so like, why don't we just, instead of just cut and running and ending this and like dead ending a friendship or dead ending a relationship, why don't we just have an honest conversation about what's going on here? And I think that's what's really special and unique about our friend. I mean, we've had so many good times too. No, we, de we have. Which I think is the reason that we even yeah. bothered to stick it out yeah. and to have the hard conversations. And I feel really grateful and lucky for that. Me too. Last question. The Oscar question, which I feel like I love this question so much. Um, I think about my own answer to this all the time and how I change it. So it's a hypothetical scenario that's designed 
to help you choose which message is most important to you that you want to share to the world. You're at the Oscars and you're nominated for where I should be, where yeah. you should be, <laughs> where you should be, and you're nominated for best actress in a comedy, which has never happened at the Oscars. <laughs> okay, go on. Well, it should. It happens at the Globes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but the Oscars only care about dramas. They're gonna have to. Need they have to change, change those rules, things. bitches. Okay, go so, on. So <laughs> you're nominated. Okay. You know, you could. It could be a drama. Whatever. You're nominated for best actress. Period. Uh oh. And, um, and you're sitting there, they're, they're calling out all the nominees, and they announce the winner, and then you hear your name. Mm. Ah, the moment. It was the only one in the competition. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you hear your name, you get to the stage, you thank everyone that you need to thank, Adam, your parents, don't forget about me. <laughs> okay? And... You thank everybody that you need to thank, and then there's that like 45 seconds to a minute where you get to say whatever you want, but you have to keep in mind, there will be headlines. <laughs> They're gonna play it over and over again on YouTube. And this is, you know, this is just your one chance to say whatever it is that you feel is the most urgent and pressing that you wanna, you know, that you wanna say. I just wanna say, that I don't have scarcity mentality, so <laughs> there isn't just one chance for me. Um, no, I I will not be played off the stage, Nicole. Are you just gonna keep going? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so. <laughs> so just do it. <laughs> uh, you know, God, I, I think this is the most beautiful moment of my entire life. Every single choice that I've ever made has cultivated beautiful moments that have brought me here to be better than all of you. And <laughs> I think that the, the most important thing is authenticity and being true to yourself. And the sooner that you find who you really are and you unabashedly are you, the world will open up to you and you will find your people you will find your purpose. You will feel more spiritually aligned in your own body. And if nothing else, you will at least find peace. And just know that you are perfect the way you are. You do not need to change for anyone. You do not... I just want to say thank you, Nicole Benham. Um, you do oh, not... Oh, I was about to cry and then you were going <laughs> to turn it into a joke. <laughs> no, you do not need to change for anyone. You you do not need to lower your standards to be the perfect person for someone else. You are already the perfect person as you are. And I think that what is the most important thing in this world is to share your life with people that love you and surround yourself with like-minded individuals who want to love and be loved. And fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> you're cool, fuck you, I'm out. Um, so yeah, and I, I'd also like to thank my husband Adam for having an exceptional penis. Amazing. <laughs> Le Leah Lamar, everyone. Um, Leah, thank you for doing this. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. 
MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started.